Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Nature is a dangerous place. On Monsters Inside Me, the podcast, listen to the life or death experiences of people who have survived animal attacks, natural disasters, and deadly parasites alike. Featuring audio from Discovery Channel, Science Channel, and Animal Planet, from hit shows like This Came Out of Me, Nature's Deadliest, Still Alive, and I Was Prey. Listen to Monsters Inside Me wherever you get your podcasts. It's the trial of the decade. Two of Hollywood's biggest stars at war with one another. With each of their careers and reputations on the line, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are in a battle of he said versus she said. The civil trial was messy and scandalous, but really kept the audience glued to their televisions. In the end, the question remained, who do you believe and how much? I'm Sarah Azari, and this is Death by Fame, Depp versus Heard. Welcome to Death by Fame, the companion podcast to Death by Fame on ID and Discovery Plus, hosted by me, Sarah Azari. I'm a criminal defense lawyer in Los Angeles. I've represented big criminal cases at the state and federal level, and I've seen the special brand of crime and scandal that thrives in Hollywood firsthand. These are crimes fueled by ambition, addiction, jealousy, and the quest for fame itself. Today, we're going to walk through the tumultuous relationship of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. We will discuss the courtroom drama and the role social media played in this case. But first, some background. In 2009, Depp met Heard on the set of The Rum Diary. They started dating in 2011. Their romance was closely followed by fans and tabloids alike and moved to an engagement in 2014 followed by a private wedding ceremony in 2015. But the happily ever after was very short-lived. After just 15 months of marriage, Heard filed for divorce in 2016 and obtained a temporary restraining order alleging Depp had abused her during their relationship while under the influence of drugs and alcohol. They were able to come to a $7 million settlement in exchange for dismissal of Heard's restraining order petition, and their divorce was finalized but the drama was far from over. In 2018, a year after the Me Too movement gained momentum, Amber Heard took to the pages of the Washington Post to pen an op-ed titled, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change. While the op-ed didn't name Depp specifically, everyone knew who Heard was referring to, and Depp faced immediate backlash. 
think it was over then? Ha, not by a long shot. In 2019, Depp sued Heard for $50 million in a defamation lawsuit over the op-ed, claiming that it cost him lucrative work and his reputation. Heard countersued Depp for $100 million for defamation for statements made by Depp's attorney, who had said that Heard's claims were a hoax. What a mess. After a six-week-long media sensation of a trial, the jury found both parties guilty of defaming each other. They awarded Depp $10 million in compensatory damages and $5 million in punitive damages from Heard, while Heard was awarded $2 million in compensatory damages from Depp. On December 19, 2022, news broke that Amber Heard has dropped her appeal of the verdict, which awarded Johnny Depp the $10 million and the punitive damages. That's probably the best move by Heard that we've seen throughout this trial and leading up to it. That appeal, who knows if it was winnable, but it would certainly drag her name further in media and on social media. And she claims that is her motive for dropping her appeal. To help me sort through this very messy case, I'll be speaking with Dr. Alice Berkowitz. Alice is a clinical and forensic psychologist for over 30 years. She's a certified mediator, marriage and family therapist, and addiction specialist, serving a wide variety of clientele. Dr. Berkowitz sees many high-profile personalities, entertainment professionals, and celebrities in the Los Angeles area. I mean, heck, her office is in Beverly Hills. Okay, 90210. Together, we will take you through the trial of the decade. So today we're here to talk about the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial. It's a civil trial on the question of whether or not her statements in the Washington Post op-ed protected First Amendment speech or defamatory. And today I'm joined by Dr. Alice Berkowitz, who's a clinical and forensic psychologist out of Beverly Hills. Welcome, Dr. Berkowitz. Thank you so much. Dr. Berkowitz is an expert in domestic violence, and like me, she closely followed the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial. So I'm excited to speak to her because she's here to unpack the allegations of abuse by Depp and Heard and discuss the domestic violence or domestic abuse aspect of this case. So Dr. Berkowitz, I want to start with your background for our listeners Can you share with our listeners your background and experience in clinical and forensic psychology? I have wanted to be a psychologist since I was 16. Mm. But one of the things you learn along the way is back then they didn't have forensic programs. So my degree was in clinical. My license is as a clinical psychologist. So forensic clinical psychology is based on research, helping your patients, right? Mm -hmm. And forensic is when there is some sort of a court case involved. Am I correct? Some sort of legal action. Legal legal action, yeah. So that's where I need people like you. (laughs) It's the forensic psychology. How much of your caseload over the years has involved domestic abuse in a relationship? A lot, honestly. I would say starting back then, probably at least 50%. It goes up and down. but. I've seen a lot of domestic violence. I've also seen a lot of false domestic violence claims in divorcing people that have to do with money. 
So very interesting because, and I appreciate you bringing this up as a psychologist, because when I say, look, not everything everyone says is always true. And we have a legal system that we have to challenge and test credibility because otherwise we're doing a disservice to true victims by allowing people that are hoaxing victim status. And it's interesting because often your colleagues push back on it and take the position that, no, we're supposed to believe it. And I say, look, on your couch, you have maybe a duty to believe the person and to be able to help them. But in a courtroom, that's a different story. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because you're based in Beverly Hills and people always think, oh, Hollywood, celebrity clients, you know, 90210, right? How much of your experience has been with high profile and celebrity patients? A lot. I would say 70 to 80%. Okay. So a large majority of your yes. practices. I want to bring you back to the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. This was a civil trial. It was about an op-ed that Amber Heard wrote in the Washington Post, making a statement that she's basically standing up for victims of domestic abuse and how she's treated when she does that. So essentially the crux of her, the veracity or the credibility of the op-ed was whether or not she was a victim of abuse. But this trial was so mistaken as though it was a domestic violence trial, right? right? As though we were in some, you know, maybe custody battle or criminal courtroom or something like that. And to me, the biggest significance of this trial was that, wait a minute, we have a guy who's saying no. (laughs) I mean, look, I think we both agree, correct me if I'm wrong, that look, Johnny Depp was not a saint. Mm -mm. He was battling his own demons, Mm -hmm. right? He had struggled with addiction and maybe he was even an angry person and things would trigger him or whatnot. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he did the things that he was accused of doing, right? How are celebrities different in the way they deal with abusive relationships in your practice, which is largely celebrity driven? Do you find that they try to hide the abuse, whether it's a male or female, it doesn't matter. You know, I think it depends on the celebrity. A lot of celebrities try to hide the abuse and try to pretend that it never happened and maintain their image. And then there are a group of celebrities that have been coming to the fore with what happened to them, female celebrities, as well as some men. To basically use their platform to send a message, basically. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And to basically say, this happened. I'm not making this up. So Johnny Depp and Amber Heard met on the set of Rum Diaries in 2009. They started dating in 2012. And then in 2015, they got married. And then only 15 months later in May of 2016, Amber Heard files for divorce and gets a temporary restraining order alleging that Johnny physically abused her during their relationship while he was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Heard then withdraws her domestic violence restraining order and at the same time in exchange for a $7 million settlement that is reached between them. Now that's not chump change, right? No. You had told me initially that you prefer to say domestic abuse versus domestic violence. Yes. Tell me about that. Why is that? Well, I think that's been changing in the courts as well. But domestic violence is focused on physical violence only. 
And domestic abuse is a broader term that talks about emotional abuse, can be violence in front of the children, where a family can be the victim of domestic abuse. And I think it's a much broader way to speak of it. And we're not limited to one choking the other partner. We're limited to an entire realm of controlling and coercive domestic abuse, which in my mind is the worst. What about intimate partner violence, IPV? Isn't that even a more narrower sort of Yes, intimate partner violence is something that can happen sporadically in a relationship and usually at the times of crises. And it tends to be both parties are involved in it. It tends to happen more when people are going through a divorce and there are moments of it. Whereas coercive, controlling and coercive domestic violence is when one of the partners, and a lot of this has been men, but it's also been women as well, where they isolate their partner, they beat down their self-esteem, they beat them violently, they make them believe that their family has lied to them. They really turn, it's it's almost like the Stockholm Syndrome again, Mm -hmm. like parental alienation, where they really, the perpetrator gets the victim to believe that somehow they're bad. And they have no spending money, they can't get out. And I'm sure you know that the worst time for someone who's been a victim of domestic violence or abuse to get out is when it's first made public. And those are the more times where they're generally, they can be killed more often. And it's a very difficult situation. But the level of controlling and coercive domestic violence is such to the depth of the core of the victim. I mean, they have nothing. They feel so dependent on the other partner. And I think domestic abuse makes it a more holistic term. It lets us know that this happens not just among the poor, not among the middle class, not among... It can happen at any class. It can happen. And it can also happen not just between intimate partners, but between siblings and parents yes. and kids and anybody in a domestic relationship. Right. What is the cycle of abuse for our listeners? The cycle of domestic violence abuse is when things will escalate. And let's say in this case, the man is the abuser and he's beaten up the woman. They have children. He's thrown her down the stairs and she's gotten really hysterical and wanting to leave. And then he'll come back over the next few days with how much he loves her and give him another chance and it'll be different and she'll fall back into it. That's the cycle. Right. That's the cycle. Okay. So the marriage counselor for Heard and Depp testified to the notion of mutual abuse and detailed how Depp was triggered by Heard. What is mutual abuse? Mutual abuse is when they abuse each other, whether it's physical or emotional or, you know, by gaslighting, by finding the vulnerability or the exact point that's going to drive the person crazy. That's the trigger. That's the trigger. Now, Amber testified 
to Johnny's pattern of violence that is fueled by drugs and alcohol. In other words, she would say that he was a monster when he would drink and he was high and that's when he would lash out and get physically violent with me. Do you think that really helped or hurt her case? Because I thought Depp was very honest about his struggles with drug abuse and to an extent it humanized him Mm -hmm. with this jury. I felt like this jury was relating to him on some level. I think one fact that nobody disputes is that this was a mutually abusive relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And you explained that it's not about domestic violence, but also domestic abuse, which goes to mental and emotional and all that. I mean, there was some horrible audio about the way that Johnny was speaking to her and screaming and then the videotape of the kitchen where he's slamming the cabinet doors. I mean, that's right. abuse. You've got a very chaotic household, right? right. Is, is that not abuse? That is abuse. Absolutely. But I think our listeners need to realize that this trial was about whether she is a victim, like she claimed in the op-ed. and. That's, I think, why her marriage to Johnny or her relationship was on full display. What was your takeaway from that? And they're there for a very specific First Amendment trial, Mm -hmm. and now their entire relationship is on display. Well, I think that is very common with celebrities and social media, and especially celebrities that are controversial, like Johnny Depp. I think Amber has a history of trauma that's never been resolved, that may make her more vulnerable, but also goes to the personality disorders. I think there are a lot of people in this country that view him as a bad guy, as good as an actor as he can be. And I do think Amber played off of that, but it's never just one person's fault. I mean, we can look at blame, we can look at responsibility, but Clearly, they both had a lot of responsibility in this. Well, it was a toxic relationship, was it not? Right. The greatest moments of abuse and antagonism underneath that is often fear of abandonment. And I think that never, of course, there wasn't a place for that in this trial. But I think you've got two damaged people. Yeah, I agree with you. What is your reaction to Johnny's numerous attempts to get clean and just his whole struggle with drug addiction? Do you think it helped him or made no difference? Well, I think the fact that he has tried to get sober was a positive in his way, but the fact that he's not been able to, and I think he's been in rehab maybe seven or eight times, I don't think it made him show as well as he could have. But he's basically saying, look, I need help. And she needs help. And that doesn't happen, as we used to talk about in 30 days. That's at least a 90-day period of time and then continuing the work and the humility and learning about personalities and learning about triggers. I think both of these people probably are not as aware of their triggers as they need to be. We had the trial in the court in Virginia, but this was also very much a court of public opinion trial. And so it goes to the role that media and especially social media plays in trials these days or high profile trials. What are your thoughts on that, on the role of social media and celebrity trials? 
I think it's a problem. I think it's unavoidable in some ways, but I think it sways people's opinion a great deal. I think it really turns people's points of view. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Nature is a dangerous place. On Monsters Inside Me, the podcast, listen to the life or death experiences of people who have survived animal attacks, natural disasters, and deadly parasites alike. Featuring audio from Discovery Channel, Science Channel, and Animal Planet, from hit shows like This Came Out of Me, Nature's Deadliest, Still Alive, and I Was Prey. Listen to Monsters Inside Me wherever you get your podcasts. So in this context, there's a court case pending. You have the interest that the public has in the issue of domestic violence and Me Too and These are obviously very important things Mm -hmm. for us as a society. And so I see that access to this information in social media and media is a positive thing. But I guess from the perspective, are you talking about the public or are you talking about the jury? And I'm talking about both. Okay. I mean, I think the jury in particular is a problem with social media and there really should be some rules regarding their ability to look at social media, which people have tried to do, but it's all over the place. But it's both, because I think it can turn people's opinion. And for instance, in this case, I don't think it helped Amber Heard at all. I think in this trial, there were a lot more men that verbalized opinions based on social media. and. I don't think you can trust social media. You can't. No. And I think that's a problem, especially when you're dealing with a court case and it's been done too much with very little knowledge from other people. But social media brings everybody's dopamine so high up that it's sort of like they're looking for a fight and they're not looking at things logically. There's definitely a toxicity in social media, especially in certain platforms. I think Twitter, for example, I don't know how much longer it'll be around, but it is a fighting space. It brings the worst out of people. I do see your point in that there's a lot of negative that comes out of those connections because people use it for the wrong reasons. So you see the fascination because of the celebrity, the, the sort of salacious drama that the relationship put on display, right? Why do you think people started to take sides? Like this is some sort of a fight. Well, I think when people are under stress, like we've been under through COVID and even before, people's tendency to take sides is what gives them energy and makes their lives feel a little more full. When we've gone through a series of tragic years, And I don't think people are the same. 
I mean, definitely it was just, for me, it was interesting to see because there's been a series of celebrity trials and we never see this team plaintiff versus team defendant, but there was definitely, I mean, it's based on celebrity status. It's apples and oranges. You can't compare Johnny Depp's celebrity to Amber Heard's celebrity. So it's not even like they're two equal teams, but there was definitely two teams and it was all over social media. Anyway, do you think fame played a role in this relationship? Absolutely. How so? Well, I think Johnny Depp's fame, number one, much more than hers, has brought him mixed reviews over the years. But when people are famous, there's a very big draw to them that may not have anything based on who they are, but people get behind the fame and they have their own fantasies about the person and who they are. And it doesn't necessarily represent them correctly. But how did fame or being famous play out in this relationship? Was there jealousy? Do you think there was more toxicity in this already toxic relationship because of fame? Because he was more famous than her. Mm -hmm. She wanted to be as famous as him or, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I think honestly, it was the backdrop to everything. You know, had he not been famous, I don't think this would have gone as far as it went or as long as it went. And how do you think fame played out in the trial itself? I think in the same way. I think it gave him mixed advantage and disadvantage. And I think that people woke up in the morning to watch the trial because of Johnny Depp. And Amber Heard being married to him certainly added to it. They're having a long-term relationship because it made her more famous. I hope it teaches us to have more of an open mind and to not view social media and to view fame as being something that will turn our heads. I honestly don't think my wish is going to come true because I think fame has a way of playing on itself. I think fame can be lovely for people, but can it also be harmful? Yeah, I think it can be really harmful. We'll talk some more. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. Dr. Berkowitz, it was so nice of you to join me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. It was a great conversation. It was a great conversation. Welcome to Sarah Sidebar. Even months after this trial, It's so easy to confuse this trial with a trial about domestic violence. This was a civil trial over defamation, you guys. At issue was whether Amber Heard's 2018 statements in that Washington Post op-ed were true and therefore protected First Amendment speech or false and therefore defamatory. It was not a domestic violence trial. That brings us to what is defamation and how do you prove it? Defamation is a false statement presented as a true fact that causes injury or damage to the character of the person it is about. Simply that. In a court of law, it is a violation for which you can bring a lawsuit, just like Depp brought a lawsuit against Amber Heard. There are two forms of defamation, written and verbal. So you have libel, which is a written statement that's defamatory, and you have slander, which is an oral statement that's defamatory. It is not easy for a high-profile person 
to sue for defamation and when. And I'll explain why. Because generally speaking, somebody suing for defamation must prove four things. All four have to be true. That the defendant, number one, made a false statement purporting it to be a true fact. Number two, published that statement or communicated it to a third person. Number three, did so with the intent to cause damage to the plaintiff's reputation, the person it was about. And four, the plaintiff did in fact suffer damages or some harm to his or her reputation. All four of those things must be proven. That is a very high bar. That is why most people who are high profile and famous who suffer defamatory dings to their reputation don't sue because they don't feel like they can win. In the courtroom, the issue on trial was very simple. Did Heard defame Depp in her 2018 op-ed? Was she in fact the victim of abuse at the hands of Johnny Depp? Ultimately, the jury awarded Depp $15 million on a suit and Heard $2 million on her counterclaim. It's really important for our listeners to understand what this jury award really means. There's a lot of noise about it. I'm here to break it down for you, okay? Johnny Depp got a total of $15 million in damages. Translation, we the jury find Heard's op-ed statements to be false and defamatory. Heard got a $2 million statement on her counterclaim against Depp. Translation, we the jury believe that the statements of Depp's attorney that Heard hoaxed a crime scene were false and defamatory. That essentially ends the saga. But what won't change is America's epidemic, domestic violence. Domestic violence has been on the rise since the pandemic. We were reminded by this trial that both men and women can be victims of domestic violence and abuse. That abuse is not limited to violent acts. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. That is a high statistic. 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence. These numbers are staggering. And sadly, the stigma of domestic violence means some victims will never report, or worse, will return to their abusers. Domestic violence knows no bounds. As a lawyer who represents both sides of domestic violence, the victims and those accused, my hope and message to victims of domestic violence is that no matter what gender, race, color, size, sexual orientation, or age you are, please come forward with your allegations. The Me Too movement was about encouraging and lending a voice to you so you could do exactly that. And I'd be remiss not to remind you to do your best to gather Any corroborating evidence such as photos, videos, recordings, writings, witnesses, you know, names and contact information. Gather that information and ask somebody you trust to take you to the nearest law enforcement agency to file a report. Why go with somebody? You may not be in the right state of mind. You may forget things. You may not remember details. You may not even remember where you put this information in your phone. You may need the clarity of a trusted friend in this situation. They can help organize what is practically in disarray in your home, in your life, and with respect to your safety. There is both help and hope out there, I promise you. Sure, allegations have to be tested in a court of law. That's why I say gather evidence. 
gather corroboration. Sometimes that makes the difference of whether or not charges get filed. But the system is set up to protect you and to seek justice where justice is warranted. Much like with any allegation about any crime, you have to make your case. That's why corroboration matters. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. Hey guys, as a special treat for our listeners, we have one more bonus interview. I am joined by Alex Romero, the doorman of Heard and Depp's apartment in Los Angeles. Alex was a witness in the trial, but quickly after his testimony played in court, became a star himself. People just love the fact that Alex was not only in his car for his recorded testimony, but was also vaping. Something that neither I nor the judge of the Depp versus Her trial had ever seen in our respective careers. Alex will take us through how he felt about not only being asked to testify, but what it was like to become a social media star overnight. So we're here to talk about the trial of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. And I am joined today by Alex Romero. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the invitation, Sarah. Thank you very much. So Alex, what do you do for work? I work at the front desk of the Eastern Columbia building. There was an incident of abuse where Amber Heard claimed that she was bruised as a result of it. And you and other people that work at the Eastern Columbia Building were called as witnesses. When you initially recorded your testimony that they eventually used at trial, what was the purpose of your testimony? What were they trying to get from you? Was it about the bruise on Amber and whether you saw it or was it something more? I think it was more because of the bruise because I was I saw her uh, not as Saturday because I don't work. I can remember it was uh, Monday or Tuesday. And so I was one of the first persons to saw her. And then that's why they called me for a testimony. And, you know, Alex, that makes sense because bruises don't occur immediately after an incident. They take some time to show up. Right. And so I do think that that was the right move for you to, as somebody who's seen her and interacted with her, to testify about what you saw. Of course, you know, there are people that were saying, why are all these people from the building being interviewed? Because they're not living with them. They don't know what's happening behind closed doors. And that wasn't really the point. The point was what you guys saw, right? A um, few days after she claims she was injured. I got what you were there to testify to, but I thought it was so entertaining <laughs> when you drove and vaped and just couldn't give two shits whatsoever. <laughs> and then you became famous. <laughs> it's one thing to be a star witness. It's another thing to become a star because you were a witness, right? <laughs> And it was not the only video that I did. And, and the first time I saw that, I said, like, why did they pick that one? I started laughing. I was parked on the garage next to my job because I didn't have the day off. I couldn't get the day off. I don't have time for this. And you were in your car. Yes. That was, I'm sorry, but that was so funny. So you testified and then at some point you start driving, right? Yes, because I got a message from my supervisor to say, what time are you coming in? And I said, you know what? I got to go. I had to go. I need to go park my car where I need to go park. I say, you know what? I need to go on with my life. You really seemed over it at that yes. point. Were you over it? Yes, especially with those questions about makeup. It was the same question, different. It was the same thing over and over and over. 
about makeup. It won't matter if it was lipstick, eyelashes, like whatever, blush. <laughs> it's the same thing to me. You're like, I got to go. Yeah, I, gotta yeah, go I don't care. And so you start driving and you start vaping. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about that moment. What was going on in your mind? Were you like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm moving on. Or what, what was that about? Well, one of the things was, is I was in my comfort zone. And the question they were asking me, when they were asking me serious questions, I answered serious. When they were asking me serious questions, they're like, makeup? I said, like, there's nothing to do with it. They're like, why should I know what kind of makeup or what perfume or what brand or whatever? I said, I don't know. I don't know. So like, they're going to get a, not a real serious answer. So when you started driving and vaping and the judge made a comment, I think, about she's never seen anything like this. Was it in response to what you felt was just getting to be a bunch of frivolous questions that they were asking you? Yeah, it was, you know, I don't do that for a living. So it was not a big deal for me. It's like, I think it was going to be one time thing and that's it. I'm not going to ever hear again. And I guess it went viral. It went viral. It went viral and you became a star. <laughs> you were not a star witness, but you suddenly got famous. All I could hear people saying, who is this Alejandro guy? Oh my God, you have to watch his YouTube testimony. It's insane. You got to see him vaping. Everyone was talking about you, Alex. And so what was it like for you to suddenly be thrust into this? I think it was, a, I think it was on a Friday. My niece texted me and said, uncle, you're famous. So, okay, cool. You know, I was asleep. Then my sister called me and said, dude, you're famous. They're like, go on YouTube. So, ah. and then I, as soon as I opened YouTube, I said, oh, no, I started laughing. I couldn't watch the whole video. I couldn't watch it. I started laughing. And then as soon as I started working, I got people that used to live there. They start calling work. I said, hey, dude, I saw you. I was like, oh, man, like people were going so crazy. And they say, they're looking for you. You know, where's your Facebook, TikTok, whatever. So you got a bunch of followers. And did and you haters. get a lot of calls? Um, yes, I did. I got a lot of calls. As a matter of fact, I got a fan mail at work. And what was the fan mail? Hey, it was just uh, thank you cards. Thank you cards. And when there, someone else sent me uh, four bottles of uh, liquid for my babe, because I tell them, where's, they were asking me, where's my babe? Because <laughs> they well, I don't have any liquid. So they sent me the liquid. Wait, so you got fan mail, you got gifts, and then you had mentioned to me something off the record about a call to your job. They're trying to speak to you oh. and you're like working on a shift. So you're pretending like Alex is not working that night, but they're, they actually recognize your voice, right? That's correct. Tell me about that. I got a phone call. It was, a, I think it was a movie producer. Can't remember her name. I still got her number. And she told me she wanted to speak with Alex. Say, oh, Alex's not here. I said, and she started laughing. I said, I know you're Alex. I recognize your voice. And she's telling me, you know what? People love you. All these people were talking about you. He said, we're going to get you something. Don't worry. We're going to get you. Just hold on. We're going to get you something. And I'm still waiting. <laughs> Nothing, right? Nothing. Promise, promise yeah. is not delivered. <laughs> so, Alex, this is so interesting for me because here you are just doing your job. You provide this testimony that you're pretty much frustrated over. And suddenly you have all these fans, right? There was a lot of personal feelings around this trial, right? So even if it wasn't just about the movies or, you know, how famous each of them were, people took sides. People took sides in this trial. Am I team Johnny or my team Amber? Which, you know, for different reasons, they took sides. Did you take any sides or you just didn't care? I didn't watch the trial. 
Anyway, thank you so much mm-hmm. for joining me today on the podcast, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank, thank you. you, Alex. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Death by Fame. Please be sure to join me next week where I'm going to unpack the Army Hammer accusations. I will be joined by Deputy District Attorney of the Los Angeles DA's office, Lisa DeRudy, and her and I will discuss how sexual abuse allegations are treated in a court of law. I have to convince 12 people. Well, it's going to be difficult to convince 12 people, especially if you have some women on the jury, that a good-looking celebrity who can probably get sex whenever he wants would have to use force to have sex with somebody. Don't miss it. Death by Fame is produced by Ample Entertainment for ID. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love for you to take a second and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Nickelodeon was kid everything, but that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon. It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set, an ID true crime event, Sunday, March 17th at 9, on ID and stream on Max.